0: Welcome to The Spark Effect, the most famous podcast you haven't heard of. I am your host, Wendy Durrell, bringing you stories, advice, support, and the most fascinating guests on the planet. I believe it just takes a spark to change a life. Let's do this thing. Well, hello there. How is everyone? Hello, my Spark Effect listeners. Wendy Durrell here. I am coming to you the week after my birthday week. I feel like as we get older, we can extend a birthday into a birthday week, right? I got to do my favorite thing in the whole world, which was move my body in a way that felt fun and good. And for me, that is roller skating. (laughs) This year, or actually it was the end of last year, I really got back into roller skating. If you were someone who, like me and my brother, lived on roller skates and later rollerblades as a kid, I cannot recommend it enough. As adults, I find that The thing that we lack with a lot of workouts and a lot of fitness, and you know me, I'm way into the health stuff, is we go for the calorie burn, we go for the sweat, we go for like the lift, and there's nothing wrong with any of that, but what we lack is the fun a lot of times. As kids, we moved our bodies because it was fun. We did all these things because it was fun. So find that thing that is fun for you. You know if you need help, you can always find me. I am excited to bring today's guest back. She was actually on a previous episode where we talked about business. Jenna Green is a businesswoman, an advocate, and all around badass, and I had the best conversation with her. She was diagnosed with multiple sclerosis, and I I really wanted to get into talking about her journey through that diagnosis and into redefining her success as a businesswoman. Jenna, welcome to The Spark Effect. Thank you so much
1: for having me. I'm
0: so happy to have you on again. You were on an episode where we talked about growing a business, and, um, and I really wanted to have a fuller chat with you about your own journey and transformation. But just to begin, for my listeners, we are discussing right now how our dogs <laughs> like to be a part of our entire reality. So um, Jenna, tell me about your puppy.
1: Her name is Dixie, and she's a 10-year-old puppy, but she's still a puppy. She's a rescue dog. She's our forever dog. Um, she's, she sat through quite a few foster dogs, but she likes to be queen of the house. She is a really great therapy dog until it's dinner time. <laughs> and then she does not care how terrible I may feel because right. she's starving. But in the morning she's actually quite good and really encourages me to stay in bed and snuggle which is sometimes not as helpful as she thinks it is.
0: But you know my dogs are the opposite. Zeppelin wants to stay in bed until like 9 or 10. Cashmere wants to get up at 6 and go running. Like they're oh. the complete opposites and I get asked a lot, you and I and we're going to get into this. We um we both suffer from a chronic condition and I get asked every now and then is it harder
1: to have a dog how do you it feel totally it? is i think it is much harder but i also think it's so worth it totally agree i mean like my chronic pain and fatigue is really is really tough but let's get into that so let's go back a ways what what led up to your diagnosis so i was diagnosed with multiple sclerosis four years ago um it'll, it was four years in january and um up until then i actually was very healthy i had been in a car accident Um, A few years prior to that, so I was already dealing with chronic back pain and sciatica and um, back problems running my family. So, that I was managing, I was managing the pain. Um, You know, I did a lot of physical therapy, I do a lot of stretching, all that kind of stuff. Had pain, but overall, I was doing really well. I had actually just lost some weight, and so people were telling me, Oh, you look so good. And then I had a pancreatitis attack, and I had to have my gallbladder out because of it. Um, it was gallstones were causing the pancreatitis, right? And so a few weeks after I had my gallbladder out, which was totally fine—just um, a day surgery, not a big deal—but I really wasn't feeling well afterwards, and it was just—it seemed so much harder than it should have been um, to, to recover. But I felt all of a sudden I just felt really dizzy, I guess is how I I described it. I, I, it felt different than vertigo, which I've had once before, but I, I couldn't describe it very well because I hadn't had that experience. And what it turned out to be was optic neuritis in my left eye, which is a very clear marker. And one of the first MS symptoms that you typically have. It took some pushing on my part as the first emergency room doctor kind of just blew it off and was like, You had a you just had surgery, you haven't been eating that much, you know, you're not feeling well, just go home and lie down, right? Isn't that so
0: frustrating? I I I hear that all the time where you you know something's wrong with you. You know something bigger is wrong with you. And like for me, it was like, oh, it's probably just a sinus infection. (laughs) Just go home and relax.
1: Right. And I thought. Okay. Well, you know, and, and I honestly, at the time I was in a bit of denial that it was worse and they said, follow up with a neurologist if you, if you don't feel better soon. So I did. I followed up with a neurologist. I drove myself to the neurologist by myself. I got to the neurologist and they were like, oh, okay, we're going to do these tests. And like, I knew immediately on their face that this was something serious. Then a few weeks later after some MRIs and a spinal tap, and a lot of blood tests and you know other tests, I was officially diagnosed. For people
0: that are unfamiliar with multiple sclerosis, can you tell us more about it?
1: Sure. So multiple sclerosis is an autoimmune disease. They don't know why you get it or um, what causes it. There are some increased risk factors, but essentially what it does is it attacks the myelin, which is the nerve covering. So like your body for some reason, just starts to think that the myelin is attacking, so it misrepresents. Like it, it starts. At, you, your body starts attacking itself, essentially. So it starts attacking the myelin sheaths, which are the nerve coverings in your brain and on your spinal cord. It's depending. Um, so those show up as lesions on your MRIs. So essentially, it is can affect everything in your whole body. From for me, it causes uh, chronic spasms called very specific type of spasms called dystonia um, in both of my feet. But most people with MS um, do sometimes experience spasms, um, you know, muscle spasms, everything's related, right? It's all connected. So if it's covering your nerves, there's nerve pain, there's fatigue, there's cognitive function issues, there's eyesight issues, um, there's speaking issues. Uh, I don't know if you saw the Selma Blair's interview where she was having trouble talking. I did. Yeah. I was
0: reading about it last night um, leading up to this and I was reading that there are similarities with people that suffer from this, but each experience is different and, that, exactly. and and each you know month to month is different and there 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 are um episodes can you tell us more about those
1: exactly so um it is considered a snowflake disease which means everyone's experience is unique and um no one can tell you what will your symptoms and you know you and i could be Sisters, we could be diagnosed on the same day and grown up in the same house and have completely different symptoms and experiences and reactions to medication. You have these episodes, which we call flare-ups, um, where like my optic neuritis experience was my first um, my first experience with a flare-up. I did have some lesions indicating that I had other flare-ups, but um, nothing as acute. And like I said, I had back pain prior, so some tingling and numbness or pain shooting down my legs wasn't abnormal for me, so I wouldn't have thought of that as a, a flare or a significant symptom. Um, but these flares, sometimes they'll go away on their own. Sometimes they go away with um, steroids or typically the, the protocol. Um, but most of the time you are left with symptoms that affect your life every single day.
0: That's what I was gonna ask next. So I, I always use like diagnosis as, as like my marker because it my life radically shifted after I found out. What changed for you right away and then progressively?
1: It seemed like everything changed in an instant, and yet I fought that change for a while. You know, I I'm self-employed, like we discussed on The last time I was a guest on your podcast, I'm self-employed and I do social media marketing for a living. So I did immediately lose a lot of clients because between having pancreatitis attacks, surgery, um, and then vision troubles and serious cognitive function issues and fatigue, I, I didn't understand what was going on. And when you are a solo entrepreneur, you don't have someone else to do your work when you can't work and you don't get paid when you don't work. So, um, I was very active, very busy. I had a lot of clients. I immediately lost a lot of clients or over the next few months before my official diagnosis, I took my husband on a trip to Disney world because I had a bit of a, a crisis.
0: <laughs> and I, I, I thought, like that's well, valid.
1: you know, I have a brain tumor. Or I have MS and, uh, it was his birthday and I was like, let's go to Disney world you know, so then I, I tried to, um, I decided, you know, things are going to be normal. Things will be fine. I discussed with my doctor for hours, all of the medication choices, and we decided to, for me to go on the most effective one, which was statistically speaking via infusion. And these medications don't cure your MS. They don't help your symptoms. They just slow progression of your disease. So you're supposed to statistically have fewer relapses, fewer brain damage, that kind of thing. Medication is Tysabri and statistically the most effective one at the time. There are 20, I think, medications now, more than that. And uh, when I was scheduled for my first infusion, the nurse called me that morning and said, "Uh, we have a problem, your insurance denied this. They want you to go on a less effective medication And you have to fail on that, which means a relapse, brain damage, permanent symptoms possibly, steroids, hospitalizations, like physical therapy, all this stuff. And then you can have the more effective medication. And that is when everything changed for me. I was like, I am not going to be quiet about this. I I had told my immediate friends and family... And I did have one friend who had MS um, at the time, and she was a godsend. But I decided at that point, I was like, well, I'm not going to shut up about this. I was like, I have a platform. I have a privilege. I know how to use so- social media. I have great health insurance. We're, you know, so I uh, and, and we do actually have great health insurance. And then that's why it was so frustrating.
0: Totally. No, the way insurance and, and healthcare works can be very frustrating if you have some sort of chronic condition or or anything really because like for me, for my own experience, I have to get MRIs to, to take a look at the tumor in my head. In order to see the tumor in my head, I have to have contrast. In order to get an MRI with contrast, they make me have to go through them without to prove that I need one with, even though they know it's their st- it's just like crazy hoops that they make you jump through.
1: Right, It's absolutely ridiculous. It's
0: ridiculous. So you started using your platform to to speak out, and I know that you actually started up a community as well,
1: yes, yeah, so i I really just thought I'm not going to shut up about this. And apparently that is actually known as advocacy. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> so i I um you know, it took me some time, but over the next year or two after that, I started to change my focus to helping more um social helping more entrepreneurs that have chronic illness with their social media and trying to create a space for them on Facebook. Um, I created a group where we could discuss life with chronic illness. And because I think a lot of the support groups in general, sometimes for me, were just too negative and, um, kind of, too focused on the disease itself and not on the strategies that we use to cope, which is how I like to focus on things. So
0: right, because we still have to live our lives, and, right, and keep moving on. I I was reading your blog. I'll provide a link in the show notes for everyone. Um, and you talk about people saying you're so brave, and I I could not agree with you more. On it's it's it's. I hate when people say brave because it's like, I'm just living my life. I'm just doing the things. And I have this thing happening on the side that should, that should be normal. It it shouldn't be so stigmatized or like put on a pedestal.
1: Right. Exactly. And yes, I realize that there is a choice not to, not to take medication or not to talk about my condition or to, you know, I think there is a choice to be quiet and that's fine. And I'm not judging anyone who makes that choice to be quiet about what's going on with them and their symptoms. But I also know that if I have to go through this, I don't want to go through it alone. Number one, <laughs> it's, it's definitely much better with a support system. And number two, I don't want anyone else to feel alone because there's nothing worse than dealing with something terrible and feeling like you're the only one funny, because I didn't realize what it w- I was doing at first was even advocacy. Um, I started just sharing on my social media, I use my Instagram, um, primarily to talk about my life with chronic illness. And, you know, the whole, Oh, but you look so good, you don't look sick. If, but you look so good.com becomes available. I'm going to buy that um, website, because it just people say that. And I'm like, well, thanks. But you cannot see my chronic pain, my issues, like, you can actually see the spasms in my feet if you're paying good attention, but no one's noticing. They just think that I'm, you know, nervous and moving my feet a lot. You know, I can pass, I guess, as not disabled, but I am. I am disabled, and I need accessible accommodations in in many things. And um, you know, I I don't think that that makes me brave to admit that, but I guess I'm kind of. I'm kind of learning to own the fact that sharing my story is brave because there is judgment out there and that, that is brave. And that's what makes us brave. That's what makes us warriors, you know, cause I couldn't get behind that term at first either. <laughs> Um, but, but speaking out that, that makes me a warrior, I think. And so I, it just started for me on social media and I say, just like, that wasn't a big deal. Of course it was. It, and then that first post I wrote, I agonized over last year. I got officially involved with the MS society here locally. Um, if you go to the MS society website, if you happen to have MS and you're listening, they, they have an advocacy section where you can sign up to get updates And I went to the MS State Action Day with my husband here in Boston, and I met the director of local advocacy, and we connected immediately. I had no idea what to expect that day, and I was really rather nervous, but everyone was super nice and welcoming. They sent us off in small groups to talk to senators and their staff um, about just our life experiences. And that's really all advocacy is, It's talking about your experience. I told that story about my experience with the health insurance and I told them um, about like our, my husband's and my experience about our concern over him switching jobs and changing health care, and me not being able to get the medication that was working for me at the time. Because like we discussed, MS is different for everyone not every MS medication works for everyone. That's a bill that we're trying to get passed here in Massachusetts, that if you, can change, if you change insurances, you should be allowed to stay on your current MS medication. Advocacy seems hard and scary in many ways, but it's just simply sharing your own story. And that is hard and scary, but you don't Absolutely. have to... Go to the state house to be an advocate.
0: I love that it came so naturally to you. In fact, you were the 2019 Emerging Activist of the Year, correct?
1: I was. I didn't
0: congratulations. That was
1: a thing. <laughs> Thank you. I was so honored and so overwhelmed. It was one of the coolest days. I thought they were going to like give me a piece of paper. It's a real plaque. Um, That's wonderful. <laughs> there's there's actually a funny picture of me on my Instagram, like earlier in the day at this. MS breakthroughs event. And I got to give a little talk about advocacy and speaking up and telling your story and how you don't actually have to speak at the state house. Although I did do that and it was really cool. I highly recommend it. It was really cool Um, because it was very empowering. But then there's a photo of me later in the day when I got home, my husband, I literally went right to bed and my husband later on brought me some water and he brought me up my my award, and he was like, "Where do you want me to put this?" And I was like, "I, uh, I, uh, uh, I don't know. I could barely make a sentence." And I was like, "Oh, let's take a picture of it right now." And I was literally in my bed, and I was like, "This is life with MS. Like, because those three hours were amazing but exhausting, and then I was done for the day. You know, you know, not every day looks like makeup and hair and out talking to people. Or and
0: that's what people need know? to see. They need to see like the real part, the real life part of it."
1: exactly and that's that's actually what i struggle with sharing the most i think because during those times i don't have the wherewithal to like mm-hmm. think oh let's take a photo right right <laughs> i mean that that was a special occasion so and then and then it was it was funny and it might have honestly been my husband's idea because i don't even remember but it it was it was an honor and an incredible. A great experience. Um, and I'm actually going to the MS Public Policy Conference this year in Washington, D.C., as well as uh, the Health Voices Conference in Dallas, which is an organization that um, helps advocates of all different types of diseases, mental health, chronic illness, cancer, things like that. I got involved with the We Go Health um, platform, which is a great platform to get started on if you're interested in learning more about advocacy. It's a great online platform where they have um, discussions and courses that are free to use to help you to learn how to share your story online, learn about, if you want to learn about how to use Twitter, I just created a Twitter account. And I mean, I am a social media marketing manager, but I have to say, I I resisted having my own Twitter for a very long time. (laughs) Why? Um, Why
0: Why did you resist the Twitter?
1: I, I have, you know, I had client accounts on Twitter, mm-hmm. and it just—I'm um, more of a visual medium type of person, which is why I really love Instagram, and I do a lot of work on Facebook because, well, you know, billion people are on Facebook, and it, it, it's also a great way to raise awareness and build community. But Twitter to me was just like, meh.
0: same. They literally, I use Twitter to write like quotes that come to my mind. And then I take a screenshot so that I can post it to Instagram. It's like, I'm not even doing it for the Twitter <laughs> part.
1: <laughs> hey, That works. Though. It's so silly. <laughs> you know, I think it's very important to learn how to repurpose your content. Exactly. And I know we're not oh talking about business strategy, but that applies to advocacy. But we can well. for a
0: minute, like for so long, I would try to come up with something new every day. And then I realized, wait, I can just look at like time hop or like Facebook memories and you can reuse your stuff.
1: <laughs> right. I have reused um blog posts. I've actually started, you know, writing has become harder for me um recently. It's been more of a struggle. And I go through cycles where my pain is higher and, and depending on where I'm in my Botox schedule from my dystonia and it's not for wrinkles. Unfortunately, they don't give me any in my forehead. They actually like give it to me in my feet. Um, but it's a miracle actually it helps. Um, it's the only, it slows down the, the, my feet like full on clamp and it slows that down. So, you know, at least I have some general idea of, of how I'll feel, um, leading up to that and then prior. So I, I've learned to just repurpose those things. And I've taken old blog posts, like talking about the brave one that just made me think, oh, I should really repurpose some of that on Instagram.
0: (laughs) No, definitely. It was great. Um, Again, we'll, we'll give you guys links. Um, You should check out all of her, her blog entries. And if you are in business with or without chronic illness, you're going to want to check out her website. I was going to ask what's next for you, but you, you just told me, um, do you have anything else coming up?
1: I really want to focus more on my advocacy efforts this year Mm -hmm. um, because as much as I love social media marketing and helping small business owners, um, advocacy has become my passion. And I'm not someone that thinks everything happens for a reason. I don't know if there's really a reason that I had to have MS. I don't know. Um, That's up in the air for me. But (laughs) um, I know that if I have to have it, and I do... I'm not going to shut up about it. And I know that it gives you
0: a, a, a shifted purpose, actually.
1: Exactly. Exactly. And I want to help other people be better advocates, not only for their conditions, but for themselves, because that is critical. Our doctors work for us. And especially with a disease like MS, where there is no right answer, you are the expert in your own body. You are the expert in your own healthcare and how you feel. And you should be, you should have more tools. There should be more tools in my opinion, um, to be a, your own best advocate and you should feel empowered to be your own best advocate. And so that's really, um, you know, my focus for the coming year. Um, also of course I want to continue to raise money for the The MS Society and, um, you know, find products and services and tools that help people with MS. Um, I was very honored and excited to create a line of phone handles. Actually, Um, they just they just launched in December. Um, through a company called Love Handle, which not the kind of love handle you get from <laughs> you know not doing your your exercises, but right. um, a phone handle itself. Um, so like collect- like a like a loop? You mean like yes, the back like of the phone? Loop. Oh, cool! So, oh, that's um, cool.
0: You guys can't see it, but she's showing it to me right now.
1: <laughs> yeah, sorry, sorry, everyone on the <laughs> very. <disappointing laughs> that's neat. For you. That's very neat. Um, yes. Yeah, so it's actually a handle for your phone, and because I struggle with. Um, spasms and you know, sometimes just holding on to things and fatigue, I drop my phone a lot and even though I have like the child proof case, it is amazing to me what a difference this little $10 invention made when I started using a, a love handle on my phone and then I had the opportunity to work with them and create a line of designs that say things like Warrior and spoony Strong and Advocate um, <laughs> And can you explain the spoony thing to me the spoon theory essentially um, I'm forgetting the name of the woman but we will we will cite her um the spoon theory was created by a woman who was trying to explain to her friend while they were out to lunch how fatigue and chronic illness affected her life and how it affected her energy because she so she used what she had with her which were spoons right she used silverware the the props, um, (laughs) to show, you know, I have five spoons for today. So here's what I need to do. And so I take a shower that's, you know, two spoons and then I feed the dog and that's one spoon. And then I get dressed and that's another spoon. And then I go to lunch with you and that's two more spoons and wait, now I'm out of spoons. It's a really good visual metaphor um, you know, or like an unchargeable battery, like a battery met- metaphor, um, like an unchargeable cell phone. Um, this was, I think, created before cell phones were were really widely used. <laughs> uh, so, do you remember um, that period of time? <laughs> I do, because I am that old. But yeah, same. Written, But I, I can't imagine life without them anymore. That's I for sure. We were talking
0: about this the other day. When we leave home, it's like keys, wallet, phone. If you don't yes. have the phone, you have to go back.
1: It's crazy. I totally go back for <laughs> the yep. phone. Absolutely. And I have forgotten my wallet. I should probably check for that more. <laughs> um, that's not even MS. That's just me. But, <laughs> you know, you got to joke about these things. You got to laugh. Oh yeah. I think
0: things. that because we talked about this a little bit Pre-interview, there is this period of like sad and despair and and depression. And if you don't, like I named my tumor Yosemite Sam. I feel like if you bring light into things that are dark, that sounded very woo woo. Sorry, everyone. Um, I feel I loved like it. I feel like it does help. I feel like it helps you every day. If you if you can laugh every day, it just it makes it better.
1: It absolutely does. I I named my my cane, and I got a sparkly one. <gasps> I I mean I needed it. I would yeah, right.
0: That's right. The <laughs> I mean,
1: it's not super sparkly, but it's got some some spark. I might try and you know like 80s style bling it out, but um, you know that also seems like it would take a lot of spoons or a lot of energy so to speak. Um, so yeah, if you see someone saying that they're a spoonie that's in relationship to, they, they deal with chronic illness and, um, you know, their energy levels are different than other people because you can't just grab more spoons in a day. I don't, and I don't always know how many spoons I'll have each day, nor do I know how much each task will take in terms of spoons. Um, so it's not a perfect theory by any means, but it is, again, it's about connecting with people in your community and helping you know that you are not alone. So, the more that we can do that, the more that we can help other spoonies realize that they or help them feel empowered to be their own best advocates, that whether they're advocating at a state house or they're advocating at their doctor's office or with their health insurance, I mean, it can be a full-time job. So that, that's really my goal. And that's what I hope that people will, will take out of this. So
0: beautiful. Jenna, is there anything I didn't ask you that I should have?
1: I'd say my life motto is life's hard, find joy anyway. And that has evolved. Um, It used to be life's hard, choose joy. And now I realize that it is not always a choice. And you have to really work to find it. And sometimes the joy is a simple, delicious cup of coffee, a snuggle with my dog, um, my favorite scented candle. The fact that I have a comfortable couch to sit on, and sometimes the joy is looking through all of the silly selfies I took with my knees last week um, because I can't get up off the couch. <laughs> you know, sometimes it's it's very simple, um, but you have to try and find that joy. Laugh about the things like Yosemite Sam, the tumor. Um, you know, I might start naming my brain lesions. I like that idea. Um, You know, I joke a lot about having brain damage and people do not find that funny in general. No, no. They, they, people get
0: weird about the brain, aren't about illness, but
1: they get weird about it, you know? And I'm like, well, I mean, you got to laugh about these things, guys. Yeah. The ones that laugh with you, keep them close. (laughs) They're important. Exactly. (laughs) And that is another important life lesson and takeaway here because you will lose friends when you're diagnosed with your chronic illness or- something you right like I think
0: that happened. was very surprising for me. I was very surprised that the that people left. And I realized later that they thought I think it was easier for them because they thought well she's dying, you know, brain tumor she's dying. Um and I wasn't, but it was just easier for them to just go. And that was very surprising for me. Was it for you too?
1: Oh yes. And I read I read like you know my doctor like gave me like a freaking stack, sorry, stack of pamphlets, um, when I left and, you know, I immediately like went online, Googling all the things and reading all the blogs and, you know, being diagnosed only four years ago, I had access to a lot of information immediately. And, um, I thought that's not going to happen to me. That's not, that's not going to happen to me. That's not how my friends are going to react. And, um, you know, I honestly, I don't blame any of them. I really don't because this sucks. It's hard. I am not the same woman I was five years ago.
0: I think it's also really hard for people to understand or relate to a lot of the things. Like the, the spoon thing is actually really great because people that don't have anything like this also get very fatigued or if they're around a lot of people, they'll need to rest. But it's way different if you have something like that because you have all these other factors involved. You have um, the emotional, you have the physical, You have if you have chronic pain, you have that going on. So I think that it's hard for a lot of people to relate to it
1: absolutely and i think you don't get it until you get it but you can empathize with it and you can understand you can you can have empathy without having a chronic illness you know and i have found a lot of joy in the people who have stuck by my side who have become understanding who you know can run miles and miles and s- still go on with their day afterwards and they don't understand what chronic fatigue is like, but they understand that it's easier for me if they drive to my house and pick me up for us to do something, that that makes it easier in my life. And and it it's also a part of it is me speaking up and asking for help and, hey, that is not easy. I mean, there's been a lot of therapy for me to get to this point and I still struggle with it.
0: And thank goodness for people like you that are speaking up because so many don't. Um, Jenna, thank you for visiting the Spark Effect. This was so much fun.
1: Thank you so much. And thank you for all that you do. I love watching your Facebook lives. I mean, I I was actually just, I don't know, I was so touched with your last one. And you inspire me so much. With all, I mean, like with all that you've done and that the transformation that you've made and um thank you for having me and allowing me to own the fact that this is a really big positive transformation it that is. you know i've gone from grieving sick girl in denial to sometimes grieving still because you know you're allowed to have emotions Absolutely. you're allowed to have feelings sometimes grieving sick girl but outspoken advocate. And that is a huge transformation. So thank you. Yeah, you you redefined your success. It's,
0: su- it's such, such a good thing.
1: Thank Everyone, you. we
0: will make sure that you have links to Jenna and all of her websites and um, to the, to the Spoonie theory. Cause I did not know that I learned something today. Thank you again, Jenna. Thanks, Wendy. Jenna, such a pleasure talking to you. I hope we get to chat again soon. You know, our stories are so important, and we need more people like Jenna who are sharing their story with others. You have no idea who you'll inspire and encourage and end up supporting by doing just that. If you are someone that needs some relaxation, some restorative movement in your life, this last month I've been running an online yoga and mindset. Workshop and retreat, and it's going so well that I am opening up enrollment for the one starting March 16th. It's four weeks with me. You get a low impact restorative yoga class each week. We get two live master classes going over mindset how we think and feel is just as important as moving our bodies. And it doesn't have to be high impact crazy cardio to really like move our bodies and get that needed. Um, Mobility going. I, so many of us don't do it enough, and for me, I, I've actually been very surprised that the yoga practice for me has made me sleep a lot better. I just feel overall better. I think that I think that more people probably need something like this. There's a link to it in my show notes, so you can always find it on my website, WendyDurrell.com. I am opening up enrollment until the enrollment will be closing March. 13th. I hope to see you in there. I hope you're well. I hope you're healthy, taking care of yourself. Your health is the most important thing in the whole world. You have to take time out for you. You have to time, take time out for self-care. I love you guys, and I will see you next time.